Ball spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Wednesday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. Man, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the high school football season. It's Wednesday, game week. That means we're going to hear from Big Elk head coach Zach Maynard toward the end of the show. Get his thoughts on the scrimmage at El Reno. Look ahead to Friday night against the Altus Bulldogs and the start of his second season at the helm of Big Elk football. So Coach Maynard coming up at the end of the show. You know, Jared, there's something, a couple of things that have happened TV-wise in the last couple of weeks that I was really excited about, and it hasn't materialized. And that was the Untold series on Netflix. Johnny Football and then the Florida Gators, the Swamp Kings, was just released. I haven't watched the Swamp Kings, and guess what? I'm not going to. No, no, I'm not either. I couldn't wait to watch it. But reading reviews of what is in it, there's no sense in watching it. It it looks just like an Urban Meyer cleansing PR piece, a lot like what Johnny Manziel's was. Yep. And not telling the story, which which is what made 30 for 30, which is what started all these things happening, right? It was 30 for 30. Mm-hmm. What made 30 for 30 so successful was they told the story, no matter what. No and matter how damning it was. It, they told yeah. the story. And Netflix doesn't seem to be doing that. So it got me to thinking. This this is one of the, I mean, if you'd asked me, all right, and I'm going to ask you, what are some documentaries you want to see? But it has to be, I mean, doing it right. Say 30 for 30s instead of this. This would have been one of them. Because you think back to all the things that happened in those four years from 2006, the first national title with Urban Meyer through 2009, how crazy that time was. Both success on the field, craziness off of it. This would have been one of those. So, what are some others? I, I put down, I put down four, maybe five stories that you want to hear the truth of in college football. So, basically, what are the thirty for thirties you want to see coming off the heels of these two just falling so flat? And those are stories that should have been told the right way. Okay. Uh, and then high school football right here off the top. I've located some preseason polls. The Oklahomans kind of slow walking it throughout the week, so we don't have Class A just yet. They just now got to the, down to 4A and 3A today. So I uh, found the Tulsa World, the Oklahoman, looking for the AP. Never could locate it. It looks like they've got the template up and nobody's voting. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, so we've got the, the Oklahoman and the, uh, and the Tulsa World. We'll compare and contrast Class 4A 
preseason polls from those two statewide publications. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to kadsam.com, download the app. The app's got it all. It's got radio. It's got the Penny News, brand new edition of that Penny News. Hit the website last night at midnight. So check out the deals in this week's Penny News, thepennynews.com. Um, we also got Big Elk and Paragon TV both on the air Friday night. The Big Elks down at Altus. Merritt hosting Hinton. We'll give you some updates on game times there as well due to the heat. Uh, and then, of course, Skinny on Sports podcast available wherever podcasts drop. If you miss the show entirely one day, you can go back and check it out. How are you today, Jared? I'm good. How are you? Man, I, I was telling you off the air. So went out and enjoyed some middle school football last night scrimmage here in elk city right uh eighth and ninth eighth, eighth grade ninth grade from uh, mangum and burns flat eighth grade from elk city and then the seventh grade from mangum the seventh grade from elk city uh battled it out it's telling you great choice it looks like to me for friday night even though it means we're going to get home an hour later than we normally would as far as the conditions on the field Really, really smart. Because by the time that scrimmage was done, around 8 or so, it was very comfortable. Yeah. Instead of what we dealt with <laughs> on uh, last Friday night up yeah. in El Reno. Yeah. No, it's I've, I've, I've been very uh, supportive of this move, moving games to 8 o'clock, as most are across the state. Very, uh, very good idea. Player safety. And, it, and a few degrees matters. I mean, even though people say, well, the heat index still, well, it's how you feel. I mean, it's, if you feel, if it's very comfortable, yeah. So I'm, I'm very supportive of it. Yeah, Elk City at Altus is an 8 o'clock kick. Kingfisher hosting Clinton, that's going to be an 8 o'clock kick. I haven't seen anything on uh, Weatherford Newcastle. Are they playing this week or do they don't start till next week? Um, I know Hinton, Hinton Merritt's staying at 7 don't know that that was the choice of the home team, but that's the way it's going to be um, out there, why. out at Merritt. I just, I don't know, maybe they just wanted to get back home. It's not far. It's not like Hinton's in the panhandle or something. Couldn't tell you, but that's the way it is. It's going to stay at 7 o'clock kick for the Oilers and the Comets. You know how football coaches are. They're so creatures of habit. It's breaking any habit whatsoever to get started. Anyhow. That's what's going to happen out there. That's yeah, really going to mess with Hinton's drive for a state title. You might, Jared. That's just the way it goes. That one-hour difference is going to derail the season in week zero. They get everybody messed up because they're going to be used to playing at eight instead of seven, and then they're going to start out poor, fall behind too fast. It's the way it could go. It's it, the way it uh, could go. Weather well, for Newcastle is Friday. Okay. That's some kind of effort at time. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Got on a, that one just yet, which is kind got of got a long blonde hair in my pocket. I wonder where that came Whoa. from. Whoa, I wouldn't have said that on the air. Probably a nine-year-old. No, no, it was a six-year-old. Nine-year-old combs her own hair now. Well, that's handy that you're not having it. I mean, you got plenty of time in the mornings. You don't have to worry about combing yours. No, oh, no. <laughs> you could do both if you needed to. I can be ready for the day in thirty minutes. All right, let's look at the preseason polls 
in Class 4A. Like I said, the Oklahomans slow walking them out, so we're not going to be able to get to Class A until later on in the week. Uh, both team or both polls have the same team at the top spot, which is Wagner. I don't think either one of us going into the season would have much of a complaint about that. Both teams have the next. Or both polls have the next three teams in some certain order: Tuttle, Poto, and Blanchard, two through four. And then both polls have five through eight, the same teams, but in different orders, which is the three I-40 schools, Elk City, Westford, Clinton, and then, of course, Newcastle. Then the bottom two in each poll is completely different. Um, Start at the top, obviously, I think both of us would put Wagner number one heading into the season and not really have much to think about there. No, moving on. I don't think there's much argument there. Based on these polls and, and our opinions too, and, and others that I've talked to, they are the team to beat. All right, I the, do have issues with number two, though. I would put Poto too. I think we've both been yeah consistent about that. I can understand in the Oklahoman, they've got Blanchard too, Carson Cooksey, the quarterback coming back. You know, the, and and there's the fascination. Let's just be honest. In the Oklahoma City area, there's a fascination with Blanchard and oh, they, Tuttle. they got to sell those subscriptions and papers and get those clicks, so let's get the Metro teams up there. Come on, man. Which, I mean, come on. Tulsa World has Tuttle, so I mean, we can't sit here yeah, and, and poo-poo it too much I because know. the East Side paper doesn't even have Poto number two. Uh, yeah, I, uh, just from what Tuttle's, or excuse me, Poto's bringing back, they, and, and they got some guys that are from what I've read, committed or a guy committed to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. I, I just and they stood out to me even in the loss to Wagner. I felt like one drive derailed that their chances to win that game. At the same time, if you want to play devil's advocate, they had to go to what three overtimes to beat Clinton. Yes, over- that is true. And I don't think either one of us would say that that was a vintage Clinton team by any stretch a year ago. So there's, you know, there's here and there, but of course, uh, you know, Tuttle and Blanchard got beat early as well. Five through eight. This is where, and maybe this goes into the the Blanchard-Tuttle thing. I would watch out for Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle only graduated five seniors. And you think back to that first round game right here at Big Elk Stadium. That game was completely in doubt until a fake punt in the what the fourth quarter that helped the Elks kind of salt that one away. Quarterback Jackson Burt is back. Running back Carson Bolser is back. They've got weapons on the outside back. They got some defensive guys back. I I mean I, I don't think that we can sit here and say that Newcastle has the best quarterback because Cooksey I think is from Blanchard probably is that but I think it's just so easy to pencil in Tuttle Blanchard in some order and then start looking down through the the rest of district two I'm not so sure if that's right no I've been I've said that earlier I'm high on on those tri-city teams including Newcastle and for for all the reasons you've mentioned they're always a team that's well coached and, and very physical and so the the Oklahoman has the Elks five Weatherford 6, Newcastle 7, and Clinton 8. The Tulsa World has Newcastle 5, 
Weatherford 6, Clinton 7, and the Elks 8. So they've just essentially kind of moved Elk City and, and Newcastle in different spots there between those two poles. Then at the bottom of the pole, Oklahoma has Bethany and Hildell. Tulsa World has Cushing and Broken Bow. The Oklahoma actually ranks all 32 teams, and it goes down at least in 4A1. Chickasha is the next team at 15. They've got Cash at 19, John Marshall at 20. I think Woodward was 30. In the Oklahoma? In the Oklahoma. 29. 29, because I knew they were down there. I Bridge Creek how many is 30. After, after the, so, Cle- I mean, it, believe it or not, there's a team worse than Bridge Creek. They're saying it's Cleveland. Well, there's, if they're number 30, there ought to be two. Oh, no, there's only 31 in the class there's because two. of our district. That's right. Correct. Yeah. Man, my the East have fallen. Remember when Fort Gibson and South Saul were really good? Last year, they went a combined 1-19. and 19. Anyways, something that just shocks me a little bit. But, so what do you feel? Do you feel like these are – I mean, we've we've expressed how we feel about the top. Wagner, yes. Questions around two. Do you think these fall let's, – let's look at 4A1. Do you think this is where they should fall? Man, it's crazy because it, it seems like the coaches – and the Oklahoma kind of took the coaches' poll into consideration, I think, and kind of didn't. Because in, in the 4A preview last week, the coaches had it Elk City, Clinton, Weatherford. I think most neutral observers or most prognosticators, any, in, you know, any magazine you see, any, any guesses you see, I feel like most of those have it Weatherford, Clinton, Elk City. I think, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. I think there's so much uncertainty. If if you pinned me down and made me do it, I think I would put Weatherford, Elk City, Clinton. Yeah, I'm high on Weatherford, too. But that's without seeing anybody play a game. Clinton does yeah. have the quarterback back. They lost a ton, though, man. They I think they've got like three. But it's here's the thing about it. I think we saw this two years ago. Even coming off a state semifinal, or I'm sorry, a state runner-up in 2020, the you know the preseason rankings still Clinton was what four, five, six, kind of in that range, and then by the time it was all said and done, they were raising up the gold ball. Could this be one of those types of Clinton teams where there's a, there's a little bit of uncertainty, and then once you see it, you go, oh, yeah, they're going to be better than we thought. I know, and I, and this is coming from my mouth. It's you can't take a lot away from scrimmages, but stuff I've read and heard from that Clinton Newcastle scrimmage. Newcastle just whipped them. What does that mean? Clinton hold back, didn't show anything. Newcastle, but they did that last year too. Newcastle got them in the scrimmage pretty good last year too. And there, you know, we mentioned Clinton was, you know maybe a play away from getting into the semifinal again. So I don't know what that means. And that just, again, just reiterates the I don't know. The I don't know. We don't know, but the, the top three, we agree, the top three in no particular order are Elk, Weatherford, Clinton, Clinton, Weatherford, Elk, Weatherford. It, I just can't wait to start playing to find out. What's going to be a real big indicator is that Newcastle-Weatherford game. 
which on Friday night. By the way, seven thirty kick. Seventh, yeah, I just saw that too. Seven thirty yeah. kick over there at, at Newcastle. At Newcastle, uh, that could be a physical game, man. Like uh, Newcastle has some dudes. So is Weatherford. They're, they both want to, you know, they both have aspirations of going really deep in the playoffs. That and might be the a preview of maybe a game later down the road. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's I think it's maybe even a question that we answer differently throughout the season because all three are going to be such a work in progress. Yeah, there's there's a lot of holes to fill, especially Clinton and Elk City. Weatherford, they got that a lot coming back, but they have to replace the quarterback. Yeah, well, it's eleven defensive starters, seven offensive starters. One of those being the quarterback. Yeah, I think if you look at it from that standpoint, then you know Weatherford has the least holes to fill with guys that played a year ago, and mm-hmm. that would also mean guys that not only played a year ago, but now you know growing from sophomores to juniors. I mean, you just always see a difference in the maturity rates, you know, at times or whatever that might be. So, you know, are those guys done? You know, are they what they're going to be? I mean, from a physical standpoint, not from getting better and strong. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, it just depends on some of that. Just depends on nature. Quite honest, is how how fast and how quickly some groups mature versus others. But right now, I mean, I even though Clinton is the one that has the the quarterback back, they also have the most to replace. And so that's why you know. By the time we get to district play, I think we could probably have different opinions on that from what we see in the non-district because all three of them are going to challenge themselves. So what, Clinton's got what? McGinnis, Kingfisher, somebody else that was good. Oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. You mentioned weather for Newcastle, then obviously the Elks with Canadian and, and Carl Albert. So there's there's a lot, a lot there for these teams on the on the on the schedule in the non district that'll kind of let us see. And then it doesn't appear that either the the world or the Oklahoman has much faith, at least in four A one right now, of anybody outside of those three figuring out a way to to win the district. Right. Sorry, got sidetracked. Found another story in the Oklahoma and kind of caught my eye. Now nah, I'm, I'm uh, and again I'm going to now listen. It's easier, you know, my opinion about preseason polls at the college level. I'm like, okay, it's just fun. It gives us something to talk about. Gives us upsets because we have a number next to the name. But I think it's more concrete in high school. Don't you feel that way a little bit? Well, well, we say that. I mean, last year, Wagner was ranked pretty high, and then Coeta goes and gets them, and then they lose, like, what, two out of their first four? They win 11-3. Yeah, yeah, but they lost some, like, they start like 0-3, I think. Or maybe that was Carl Albert. And Carl Albert, same way, but they had the injury to. I think, I think Wagner might have 1-2, 0-2, and, oh and, and then their third loss was later on to to Cushing and District. Right. And they ended up 11-3 and kind of worked things out. So let me ask you this: Who do you think is can we can we do this? Who who's too high? Maybe in a consensus here of both these polls of these polls, who do you think might be a little overrated? We dare say. 
I don't want to. <laughs> one and two. Or they, underrated. They or... lost to Kawita and Grove. <laughs> Beat Tahlequah in between. One and two. Yeah. yeah. And then a 42 nothing shellacking to Cushing, which they turned around to a 24-21 win. Yeah. I, I think it's about right. I think when you when you get to it's good, it's not going to work out like this because it can't for the for the top eight. I mean, the top eight in both polls are exactly the same teams, just in different orders. When you get to the quarterfinal round, it can't be that because two of these teams are going to have to play each other because somebody in in 4A2 is going to be second, and somebody in 4A1 is going to be third. You know, because there's three teams in each. Somebody, you know, somebody playing. And so that mean, that that means it can't be the top eight. But when you look a year ago, like even one in four, the Elks were the district champ. Newcastle was fourth. I would have a hard time saying that Newcastle wasn't one of the eight best teams in the tournament. Right, and, and I, that maybe, and that was the fourth. That wasn't even you know the second or third. I mean, heck, Bethany took Clinton into overtime, right? If I remember that right, on the uh, yeah the tornado they, they bowl, they were going I think for two in the win, and they were they fumbled at the one going in. And so th- those two districts, it's kind of a shame in in a way that that's the way it matches up. You know, I know, you know, used to didn't seem to be that way or maybe it just it all the strength is there outside of you know wagner or, or a cushing from last year or both or poto yeah it begs the question of of reseeding these somehow but does it change your opinion on who might have the best district yeah yeah me too yeah i would have told you district one last week and i'll probably tell you district two right now yeah if now the, here's the if if blanchard and tuttle are really better than any of the three out here that makes sense mm-hmm. if they're if they're really bet if they're really you know in the top four and these others are kind of in the middle of the top 10 if weatherford's not really good or if the elks don't get it together or clinton or whoever then yeah because i think newcastle is kind of the swing team right yeah and I'm then trying we're, to find- we're not even talking about bethany yet yeah i'm trying to find out we know Newcastle plays Weatherford. Love love the opener there because it's going to help answer some questions. Cash Tuttle. Cash and Tuttle. Perfect. Blanchard, though, they don't play week zero. They play next week. They take on Noble. In fact, they don't play a 4A team until district kicks off. Yeah, I, I remember when we did this, games we couldn't wait to see, and I, I went more the the non-district route. And Cash Tuttle, Weatherford, Newcastle, uh, Woodward – Seems like Woodward plays Bethany. Maybe. I mean, there's there's some four A one versus four A two games, is what I'm saying. And quite frankly, four A two probably has the better of those matchups, at least on paper going in. You know, Cash mm-hmm. be fighting for fourth or fifth. It looks like in this district with Chickasha or, or maybe John Marshall or Woodward, whoever else. Whereas Tuttle, one of the top two in most people's minds. So if all of a sudden we walk in here next Monday and Cash has put up a heck of a fight or even topped Tuttle, then maybe you swing that opinion back around right quick. Like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, if Weatherford can handle Newcastle, 
things change a little bit, in, in my mind at least, once you actually see what happens on the field. Actually, Woodward and Newcastle will okay, so go yeah, at it in you, week three. So Woodward, so Woodward plays Newcastle and Bethany. I get, you know, you go to the OSSA rankings, it's a hodgepodge schedules that, that people aren't filling them in correctly. I'll go get the magazine. Yeah. It looks like Woodward opens with Guthrie next week. Yeah, and then I was thinking they had Bethany in between there. And then they have yeah, and that, at Bethany. Remember, because we were so surprised yeah, yeah, exactly. at that score last year yeah. up at Woodward. We thought, oh, Woodward might be back. Yeah. Woodward Whoa. might be good. Turns out Bethany might have just been a little down or overlooked him. Yeah. Either of those things can yeah. be correct. I am ready. Yeah, here's the cool part about it. We just got a couple of days where we can quit guessing and start seeing. That's what I'm saying about the preseason polls. Start getting an idea. Start getting a good idea of what's real and what isn't. Coming back 30 for 30. Please come back. <laughs> it's almost here. In motion is Patton. It's going to be that trap play to Garbarino up the middle. That's a 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Big outs! Cooper Garbarino, 77 yards. We're closing in on the start of Big Elk football, which means Big Elk TV will be on the air before you know it. Wynn and Garza are the running backs. Jones under center. Austin, snap, turn, hand off to win. Jaden piles toward. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. You'll be able to watch and see if Coach Maynard's brown and white clad Elks can continue their winning ways. Snap back, play action, lobs it toward the end zone. He's got a man. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. Tucker Garza. To get your business on the Big Elk TV screen, call 225-9696 or stop by our office at 220 South Pioneers. The Skinny on Sports. Just a bit outside. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Don't forget head coach Zach Maynard coming up here in just a little bit. Preview the Big Elks and Altus. Talk about the scrimmage from last week against El Reno as well. Also, Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em Contest is open. It will start a week from Saturday. And you ask, what is the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em? Well, it's a year-long contest in college football. Each week, you pick 10 games against the spread. And it's on the ESPN website. I have a link to our group posted on the Skinny on Sports Facebook page. So just click that link, get registered. You can play along. Winner, whoever picks the best percentage throughout the year, will win $400 cash. 200 for second, $100 for third place. And then if you pick every game all year long, play the entire year, and you're the worst at this, you also win 100 bucks Because it's just as hard to miss them all as it is to get them all right when it comes to picking games against the spread. That's the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em. People before property is their motto. 225-6271 is their phone number. Give uh, Robbie, Tyler, all the group down at Western Oklahoma Realty for your real estate needs. Very easy to deal with, Jared. I just got done doing it. Poor Tyler had to put up with me for a whole year almost. 
Oh yeah, that's right. For handled, almost an handled, entire year. He handled your rehoming. I bet you when I text him now about like sports, he looks at instead of looking and going, Oh my god, what does he want now? <laughs> it's more like, Oh, I can't wait to see what this is. <laughs> a lot more a lot more enjoyable on his side of it, I'm just sure of it. <laughs> All right, so Netflix has come out with the the series, the Untold series, and so far we've seen Johnny Manziel and now Swamp Kings, which is a four part look at the Urban Meyer Florida Gators. Okay. Both of those stories, Jared, I would have loved to have heard the truth. Those, the, both of those things have been fascinating over the past two decades of college football. Mm hmm. The success that Florida had under Urban Meyer, and then as it was happening, and even after it was happening, the shady characters that he was dealing with and recruiting and allowing to stay around his program, some could say, in order to win. And the early reviews of the four-part doc with the Swamp Kings is that it left almost every bit of that out. And it's basically a Urban Meyer cleanser cleanser. Is it to try to get back one last shot at, at college football glory on the sidelines? I don't know. But it does feel like with Herb agreeing to as much access as he agreed to, he knew going in this was going to kind of be a fluff piece for him. Yeah, have you seen this tweet about what, what they left out? Oh, yeah. Cam Newton. Carlos Dunlap DUI before the 09 SEC Championship. Aaron Hernandez, Pouncey Twins. Urban's, quote, heart attack, end quote. 2009 Sugar Bowl Week. Zach Smith, Riley Cooper, Urban wife's, Urban's wife and kids in Gainesville. And then, of course, life after Tebow. You know, there's part of me. And, and that was sent to me in, in a group I'm in. Right. And they all kind of said, man. Really wish this was a thirty for thirty thing, and not and just like you're saying, exactly. Yeah. And that's what was that's what has been so great about thirty for thirty, and that's why it's continued on. Now you have to have the, the the one thing you have to have is not only access to the the principles of these stories, but you also have to have those principles wanting to tell the truth. And there's a reason why they call him urban liar. And so we should have known going in for him to be so gung-ho about doing it yeah, that it, this is the way it was going to be. But here, here's another thing that I think of about those times. Because we kind of know what happened. You know, obviously Aaron Hernandez is out there. Heck, there's a Netflix documentary about him only, if you want to really know his story. But I think about it like this. And, and, and people got tired of... In that time period, people went from, man, this Tebow dude is so cool. You know, like when he was when he was just the jump pass guy or just the the backup quarterback in 06 when they won the national title. He was kind of like a phenomenon across college football. That the, the, the Tebow hate was nowhere near started. Then he wins the Heisman as a, as a sophomore in 07. The team wasn't as good. Then, of course, 08. You know that I think the, the 08 season coming off of the Heisman 
mean, he, Tom Brenneman was on the the Orange Bowl broadcast talking about how you want your daughters to marry this guy. I, but but at the end of the day, though, I think think about how bad it would have been if he wouldn't have been there. I think that's something you got to give Tebow more yeah, credit than he gets is for keeping that thing from completely imploding with all the shady characters that were around. I completely agree. You know? I completely mean completely agree. So at the end of the day, I think years later when the emotion of of Tebow is kind of taken out of it, it turns out a lot of that stuff that we all thought was so over the top is pretty true. Yeah. About his role not only on the field but especially off of it. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of the glue that that kept a, the moral glue. That is that. Yeah, I whatever mean, how, there was. How bad could have it gone after if he was not there? I don't think they would have won as much. He did a lot by himself. I mean, who knows how many people he kept out of jail? There is no yeah. telling. Yeah, yeah, he was annoying to us back then because of all that. You turn on game day. And there was, it felt like a 30-minute segment dedicated just, not to the Gators, to him. And it became like, dude, stop it. It was so annoying. But take that away. He's a stand-up dude, right? I mean, he is a guy you'd want your daughter to marry back then, right? He was that guy. Probably still is. But but, but the love fest for it was like, oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, here we go again. Listen, is he the only college football player ever to have his virginity on display? Ah. And everybody, you know, I'm, I'm dead serious. No, about I this. know, I know you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's how absurd it got. You did at the time. You really did. Not only is he the Heisman Trophy winner, but he's also a virgin and saving himself for marriage. I mean, that's that's literally how it was. As ridiculous as it sounds to say. <laughs> That's how it went for Tebow, but I think looking back and when you when you figure out exactly who all he was dealing with as teammates and as coaches, yeah, he, he played a lot more important role in that than than maybe we all wanted to give him credit for at the time, just because it was so over the top annoying. Mm-hmm. What are some other, for lack of it, thirty for thirties that you want to see? I mean, well, let's stay with Tebow. His venture into the NFL, you know, some labeled him as a stubborn guy because he did not want to switch positions, um, wanted to stay at a quarterback. And, you know, the infamous game he won for Denver, playoff game he won for Denver, the transition to the Jets, Tebowing. I'd really like to dive in. Was he was he was he blacklisted because of his faith? Oh yeah, there's a chance. You, that's you see true. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that that's just I'm kind of ranking these as interest levels. So that'd be like number three, number two, Spygate. Oh, so you're going for all across everything? I just meant college football. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Spygate's a good one. I think the real true story of that would be awesome. I mean, if we're talking. 30 for 30, no holds bar, just full access. You know, what, how, 
how prevalent was Spygate? Was it just one dude who accidentally turned on? You know what I mean? Or what? Or how high did it go? And then um, I'll stay in the pros. The NBA bubble and what the players really thought <laughs> about doing this. Or what they really did while they were there. Yes. Did they stay in the bubble? <laughs> did they, Were they fully compliant with this? Did they agree with this? Or did they all think, like we all thought at the time, this is ridiculous? So, the top of my head, those are the three that kind kind of came to mind. But I'm sorry I misunderstood the question. I'll think of some college ones. Go ahead. All right. So, I kept it just for college football. Okay. Um, from bottom to top, like lease. Listen, I've read Bootlegger's Boy, and if you haven't, and I would love to just like the Barry Switzer time at OU. Right. Good yeah. and bad. I mean, yeah. Some would say. They were the Swamp Kings before the Swamp Kings. Well, <laughs> if people we're being shooting, honest, I mean, people literally in a glass shooting, house here. people shooting Uzis in the jock norm. That's pretty up there. Yeah. Uh, another one that's down the list a little bit, but I, I've always kind of been fascinated. It, it, tell me the story of Oregon and yeah. how Oregon came to be. Is it just Phil Knight money? It's a good one. You know, tell me about Oregon. Number three, I would love and talk about probably not ever going to see this because he may not do it, but just Saban. Just all about Saban. You know what I'm saying? What he did, how he came to be, that yeah. kind of thing. I want to hear the real Cam Newton story. I'm talking about from the Florida days all the way through how much did they really pay him at Auburn? And then number one for me is Nebraska. Tom Osborne trying to figure out a way to beat Barry Switzer. How steroids within that program that's always been rumored to be a thing. The walk-on program that they had that was so successful back then. Right. And then just the struggle of being that successful, that good for that long, and then finally figuring out a way to win it all. And then once he did, it was like, boom, we're winning every year. I, I think we'll that one would be really the, good. Or the fall, you know. And I think that coincides with the, you know, we're in this realignment age. It would be kind of cool to see some cameras behind the scenes. What do those discussions look like? Mm -hmm. You know, how did, who contacted who for OU or Texas? You know, all that Oh, I I'd think find that, that interesting, but you can, you know, and I'm back to the Nebraska thing, the fall of Nebraska, a lot of people say that was when they chose to leave the Big 12, go to the Big 10, they gave up Texas as a recruiting spot, and here they are. And I think more importantly, hard to see them come back. More importantly, they gave up rivalries that were important in that way mm -hmm. to, with Oklahoma, with, you know, Kansas State, with just those those natural rivalries. Colorado, yeah. Yeah, Colorado's already gone, but you know, but you know that all happened at the same time, I guess. Yeah, and so I, I think that plays a part in it as well. Lots of juicy stories. I just wish they'd tell it. Unlike what happened with Urban Meyer right. and the Swamp Kings. When we come back, head coach Zach Maynard of the Big Elks, looking forward to opening night, Friday night down in Altus, eight o'clock start. 
We'll get his thoughts on the scrimmage last week. Look forward to this week as well. It's Skinny on Sports right here on the Sports Animal. It's almost here. In motion is Patton. It's going to be that trap play to Garbarino up the middle. That's a 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Big Elks! Cooper Garbarino, 77 yards. We're closing in on the start of Big Elk football, which means Big Elk TV will be on the air before you know it. Wynn and Garza are the running backs. Jones under center. Austin, snap, turn, hand off to win. Jaden piles toward. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. You'll be able to watch and see if Coach Maynard's brown and white clad Elks can continue their winning ways. Snap back, play action, lobs it toward the end zone. He's got a man. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. Tucker Garza. To get your business on the Big Elk TV screen, call 225-9696 or stop by our office at 220 South Pioneer. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? The Skinny on Sports. That's what I'm talking about. All right, welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. It's game week. Head coach Zach Maynard of the Big Elks is joining us now. You know, off the air, you you were listening. You had a couple of those 30 for 30s that you would like to see. Tell everybody the ones that you would be really fascinated in. Oh, I think the, the whole Lincoln-Riley debacle would be really neat to figure out exactly how all that went down, when he knew, when he didn't know. Um, you know, obviously, I think Saban's also a great one. And then, you know, Joe Paul, the the, the Penn State debacle, everything that went bad up there, um, just trying to figure out exactly what happened and, and how it happened because he would be top five probably greatest of all time college football coaches. He's way up there. But he's, they tore his statue down. Yeah, and what, it, and what it took for that place to tear his statue down. It's something that you couldn't even possibly imagine. They let him be the head football coach from a wheelchair in <laughs> the press box. Yeah. Yeah. And then tore a statue down. Yes. All right. That is the voice of head coach Zach Maynard. Coach, uh, you give us an idea of uh, you know the first time last week with the being able to get out of practice, go hit somebody else, a, a different jersey color, different numbers or what have you. Just give us kind of a, an overview of what you thought about your team a week ago scrimmaging up in El Reno. Well, we were flat, um, non-emotional, not physical. Um, you know, we let, I think, probably let the heat. And in fact, that we're in the way scrimmage and the junior high is going before us and all the factors. And, you know, obviously, I just don't, don't think we were very mentally tough. And, and obviously, we weren't very physically tough. Um and, and we've got to grow up from that and, and get better from that. But, um, you know, the fire not, was not there. Uh, the passion that you have to play the game with was not there. Um, and, and just the in- overall intensity of, of the way we play the game and the way we have played the game uh, was not there. So, you know, obviously disappointed in that. But um, at the same time, um, you know, we were kind of in the same boat last year at this time. The only difference was is El Reno's not – Going to, wasn't very good last year. They were playing a bunch of sophomores. Now they've got a bunch of juniors and seniors. Uh, they returned nine starters on offense and defense from a 5A playoff team. Um, you know, expected them to be good and be a good, good, formidable test for us. And, and you know, and, and, and you know, I'll take the blame for it. It's my fault that we weren't uh, emotionally involved and, and intense the way that I like the game to be played. I, I'll, I'll wear that. I'll take the blame for it this, this week. Um, but, you know, we didn't. We also didn't plan to beat El Reno in a scrimmage. You know, we I think we lined up to their formations once, and and, and realistically, we 
it wasn't sound because they came out in a formation that we didn't think that they were going to be in. So, um, you know, obviously there's there's that that goes into that goes into play. But um, you know, the the emotional side of it, the leadership side of it, those things were the things that really bothered me. Not 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 being lined up right didn't bother me because it's a scrimmage. But um, the way the game is intended to be played, uh, we did not play it that way, um, and so you know that bothered me. And we've spent um, pretty much since Saturday till. Um, Friday working on that so how, how does that change how, how, how can you get or, or can it even be you does it have to be one of those guys that are strapping on those pads to kind of look around in the room and go listen boys that ain't it it's got to be on us to be able to, to to bring that emotion it's not it's not on the coaches it's on us well and that's why you know uh, last Friday I figured that out after the first three plays that we weren't doing what we were supposed to do well you if you were there, you didn't see me hooting and hollering and going crazy because I told them on Saturday, I said, guys, I can't be out there with you. I can't play the game for you. So you guys have to figure out who to lean on. You have to figure out who is that guy. And everybody else has to follow suit and, and agree and, 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 and we're going to pursue this thing in the same direction. Um, you know, and, and so um, that's why I didn't get involved because I, I can't do it for them when, when, it, when things get hard. Uh, on Friday nights, so I think we've spent all week this week, and, and each day progressively has gotten better with someone stepping up and going, "Let's go! This is, you know, this is how it needs to be done." And um, and it's it's starting to become exciting to see because leadership is starting to grow on our team, and I think that they, the good news is, I think Friday night really opened our eyes, going, "Oh wait, we we're not just going to come in here and start off from square one like like we did, like we're in the state semifinals." Um, and so it opened our eyes, and our kids really found out, I think, that uh, it is we need to have some leaders. So you're telling me they responded well to how they came out on Friday through yes. practice this week so far? No, absolutely. I think that uh, our physicality has been better. Um, our, our attitudes have been better. The emotional uh, intensity that it takes, even the practice of the game, I think, has been better. And, and the leadership has been a lot better, and, and it's because uh, – not really because of anything I've done. It's because we've got a couple of guys who are starting to try, decide to get out of their comfort zones um, and and take on that new role that they that ultimately, if we're going to be a good football team, they have to take on. Talk to Big Elk head coach Zach Maynard. I, th- I think that's one of the things that is so underrated about this year to this year to this year. Fans just assume, well, you know, two years ago, Drake and those guys got the team to the to the semifinals and mason and oh it's, you know it's going to start out right there and build on that it's not the way it goes even if it's the same guys back there's still a little bit of difference in could be attitudes it could be emotion and it, it could be some other guys pushing to play as well mm-hmm. it's always a work in progress for each team each year even if it's a lot of the same guys back out there which this one isn't no i agree and and you know uh a year ago, we had to do the same thing. We lost 18 from the 2021 team. We lost 18 off this team. Um, but but there, ultimately, there has to be a pecking order um, in, in anything in life, in a, in a company, in a school, on a football team. There has to be a pecking order. And, and right now, we're just now starting to kind of figure that out. And, and last year, it took us two, three weeks to really figure out the pecking order um, and, and – and ultimately, we had some great leaders: Sammy Lill, uh, Gage Eastman, Logan Trevino, um, you know, Austin Jones would would would, would talk. Uh, uh, Levy Owens; those guys were were great leaders. But you but you have to uh, understand that 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 doesn't come overnight. That comes from being in the fire. That comes from um, working 
progressively uh, every day. And, and ultimately, last year we didn't ha- didn't know who our leaders were till after the Canadian game mm-hmm. because the Canadian game opened our eyes um, into what we were supposed to be and wanted to be. And our guys said, "Okay, this is what the team needs from me, so I have to give it." A lot of talk going into last week. Who's going to be the quarterback? You missed a, mentioned Austin. He's gone uh, with graduation. Both Catch and Logan were out there. Talk about what you saw from those two, the strengths uh, that each possesses, and also something that they need to get work, get kind of working through in order to be that guy under center, ready to go uh, throughout not only the Lawn District, but especially uh, Week 5 at Clinton. Well, they're both fantastic kids. Um, they've both had great summers, worked their tails off. Um, you know, uh, Logan's a little bit ahead with his arm right now. He can, he can uh, open up some things in the passing game, you know, and catches a phenomenal runner, um, does a good job running the football and, and running the option. And, and so, you know, both of them have their strengths, both of them have their weaknesses. And, and if we were going to put a box up of what we wanted to do offensively, both of them would check half the box. So uh, one of them has to grow in some area there, you know, and, and, and they'll both split time um, until every game until they – we figure out the cream rises to the top and who becomes the, the pecking order. Um, but we have plans for both of them. Um, we will use both of them. And and, and, um, and really we're excited about um, either one. Just But the, the thing that puts one over the top, no matter what, is going to be who can command the huddle, who can command the respect from the pe- the kids around them, and, and, and will lead the team to where we want them to go. And, and I'm excited, and I think those two guys both this week have, have taken strides in that in that area let's look ahead to altus what it looks like they've changed up their offense a little bit Uh, how's preparation for them gone so far this week it's going good you know ultimately um the way we do fall like i said earlier we didn't prepare for el reno we prepare for what we're going to see 90 percent of the time um we're, we're more prepared for this game a week ago than we were to actually go play el reno not even knowing what altus was going to do we figured they would be flex um, they're not. So, you know, obviously we're excited about the challenge. I think that they're going to be really good. They're, they're going to be better than they've been. Um, they got a new quarterback. Uh, he can run it. He can throw it. Um, There's going to be big. They've got a lot of returners. Um, and, and obviously Coach Reed is back, and I think he's kind of lit, relit the fire over there uh, for their football program. So, you know, it'll be a tall task for us. We'll have to go play well. Uh, we'll have to get after it. And, and ultimately – what I'm looking for is that we are physical, um, we're aggressive, we're intense, uh, we're excited, and we play the game the right way. And, and if we do that, um, uh, we, we, can let, we can deal with anything else. You like the time change, or does that even matter? Well, I, last night at the we, we started at 6. By the time it was 8, it was really nice yeah, out there. Yeah, that's what I told Jerry this morning. Uh, and, and so I decided that that was probably the right thing to do um, early, you know, no matter what, you're probably going to have some cramps on week zero and week one. No matter what, and you move it to eight, um, you can you you can try to keep from somebody from going into full body cramps because that I have had full body cramps uh, at halftime of a game before, so it's not a uh, it's not fun, and, and and you don't want to get to the third and fourth quarter and you can't even have you can't have your best eleven or your best ten of your best players out there due to um, cramps or injuries, and so you know got to do what's best for the kids, and at this time of the year. Um, I feel like that we made the right decision. Another thing I noticed last night, I think there really is a difference between last Friday and last night from the playing surface. Yes. 
you cannot convince me that that grass isn't cooler than the than the turf. Oh, it's much cooler. And, and uh, um, you know, and Ziggy and, and Coach Hunt and those guys have done a phenomenal job taking care of it and making it look good. Um, and, and, and very thankful for them and all their hard work on it because it is a nice playing surface right now. It is. It's very nice. Uh, one last thing, coming into Friday night, who are some of the guys that the fans aren't used to hearing their name or not used to seeing them out there that you're expecting to really make an impact on the team, not only Friday, but also moving forward. Some of those young guys that uh, just haven't got a chance to shine that you're expecting to see out there and doing a great job for the Brown and White. Well, I, I think, you know, number one, you, you expect to see uh, good things from Reese Burton. Um, from He's got a great skill set. Um, you know, obviously, and in, 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 uh, Cooper Church, uh, it's another name that, that that keeps popping up and keep keeps getting better. Uh, you know, Alonzo's done some really good things this summer and really all fall. You know, he's been great. And um, you know, you got those guys as well as um, you know, you got Jaden Wynn that you've heard before, Braxton Robertson you've heard before. But you know, two offensive linemen, Fabian Armendariz. Um, you know, we're we've been trying to bring him on solely, but it's time for him to take the next step, a big step, and and jump up and really be able to push for playing time as well as uh, the Muse kid. Um, you know, sophomore, big kid, strong kid. Um, you know, we need him to, 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 to come on for us and, and, and make a name for himself as well as guys like Cotton Sean and uh, uh, Briggs Robertson, defensive linemen that, that we're trying to push really hard right now to get them to be ready for the fire, which gives us some depth up front. And uh, and ultimately we need that. We need that from the, from the young guys to, to, to grab hold of spots and, and say, that's mine, I'm taking it, and, and I'm going to do it the right way. All right, Coach. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Good luck at Altus on Friday night. Absolutely. Thank you. You betcha. It's head coach Zach Maynard joining us here on a Wednesday in the Skinny on Sports. All right, Jared. I think that's it. I'm going to head downstairs. Man, every time I wake up, I, I'm hoping it's Friday, and I'm disappointed it's not. Like yesterday was a big disappointment. Hey, two more sleeps. That's what White always says. Two more sleeps <laughs> like until it's time. It's kind of like Christmas. It's, it's getting coming. closer. Yeah. All right, thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball.